Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership thinking, explores modern leadership models, and provides you with ideas you can use to transform yourself and your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. So, our topic for this episode of Evolve is trust in its purest form. And to explore this topic with us is trust architect, author, and thought leader, Lee Brobdani. Now, after winning awards as a top leader for multiple years, in 2021, Lee was awarded a Lifetime Achievement uh, Recognition for her work in trust from Trust Across America. Her first book, Trusted, Secret Lessons from an Inspired Leader, is sold globally. And her second book, Trust Me, Restore Belief and Confidence in an Uncertain World, explores how trust can be rebuilt with a blend of practical advice, research, exercises, and business stories. Trust Me provides invaluable insight into the powerful emotion of trust. So Lee is also a global speaker, having had engagements in Dubai, Mumbai, Singapore, and across North America. She has been a member of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers for over 15 years and is the past president of the Atlantic chapter. After all of that, Lee, we welcome you to Evolve. <laughs> Thanks, Yvette. You know, I, I listen to all of that and it's true, but it just means that I'm getting older. You know, like if you live long enough, you, you get a good resume. It probably, it would not have sounded like that in my 30s. And <laughs> no, you're getting better, not older. <laughs> So, you know, Lee, I'd like to invite you to just get started with an easy question. And uh, I want to just learn more about how you, you got on this trust path. What caused you to step on this path for so many years uh, to explore this topic of trust? Well, you and I both um, have been in the, in the world of emotional intelligence. And so what I saw with a lot of leaders, with all of the things that I was doing in emotional intelligence, is that it seemed to get into this ability to trust and be trusted. You know, a lot of a lot of the things that I was teaching in emotional intelligence really seemed to affect that trust. And and I just did a couple of certifications on an assessment, and it was around a climate survey using emotional intelligence. But at the center of it was trust. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. This, this kind of con, you know, the, the two that emotional intelligence seemed to intersect with trust. And so I became interested. And 
like a lot of things, when I become interested in something, I get really focused. And so I started doing all the kinds of, a, a lot of research on trust. And I found it so interesting that I took an off-ramp and decided that I would really just get right into trust and really seeing it through my lens of emotional intelligence, which at that time was a little different. It's not now, but uh, yeah, just a lot of interest. So EQ, trust, were, were there any interesting personal stories that may have gotten you uh, really interested in trust? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, some that I can mention, some that I, you know, like, I'm I remember being... <laughs> <laughs> I remember being at a meeting and yeah. it was with a group of um, emotional intelligence practitioners and there was a lot of demands that we be at these meetings at a particular time and you know like it, they went from seven in the morning till eight o'clock at night and I just I can't do that my brain shuts down at a certain point and all I hear, do you remember Charlie Brown, the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so I missed one of the meetings. And then when I walked in, I was thoroughly um, spanked verbally for missing the meeting. And yeah. I, I responded like I usually do, which was, okay, then, well, if you want me to be here, you tell me the ones that are really important. And, and I kind of told them why I did and, and, and defended myself from my perspective and asked them what was important to them. And people kept coming up to me later and saying, oh, I'm so glad you said anything. I was afraid to say anything. And I, I went, this is an emotional intelligence workshop. Mm -hmm. our, our emotions should be valued. And I heard from them um, well, I didn't trust myself to be able to, to tell them how I felt mm -hmm. in a positive manner. Well, I don't know if I was that positive. I'm sure I probably <laughs> <laughs> we all have those moments. <laughs> but I really felt that at the, the, the heart of what we're trying to achieve in the world is trust in ourselves, And then mm -hmm. it circles up from there, trust in others. So that was one story, you know, like there's so many where I just saw people that um, didn't trust the people they worked with and how it affected themselves. They didn't trust themselves to be able to defend themselves and speak up. And they didn't, you know, there's been moments in my life where I've doubted myself and at the very heart of being able to be present in the world and trust others at the very purest form is trusting yourself. And I mm. think I'm continuing that journey. Mm. I meditate in the morning. I, I, I try and journal, you know, so really that, that trust in yourself and then rippling out to trust in others. You know, you said something uh, very important because uh, trust is an inside out job. And uh, when we were in a conversation about a week ago, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're taking on a new role and, and that's actually, that conversation actually uh, was the, was what sparked my interest because you said that, uh, you know, what you're about to do requires trust in its purest form. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, that, that hit me very deeply because most times trust is not in its purest form where people can be vulnerable completely. And uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, your journey into trust in its purest form and what that means. Um, so this isn't common knowledge. So this is kind of the first time I've actually mentioned it to the, the general public, but I'll be combining two careers and, and I can see myself going off and doing the work that I'm training for right now, which is to be an end of life doula. And for people who think of doulas as just um, around being born, it really is the journey that you help people. So a doula at birth helps the journey from the womb into <coughs> life. And an end of life doula helps people have a beautiful journey from life into death. And what I'm learning, please ma'am, apologize for coughing. <coughs> and I'm fine. Okay. But, um, what, what I'm learning is that um, death isn't the opposite of life. It's the opposite of birth. Mm -hmm. Birth and death are both part of life. And we've put so much mystery around it that we've made it impossible to, like we, we give up all of our rights to let somebody else dictate what should be a very natural process. So I jokingly said when I was telling someone about it that I wanted to be the Patch Adams of death. And I'm not trying to be facetious for anybody who is going through that personal journey with someone they love or else they're very ill. But our bodies know how to die. They just need to trust that they know what they're doing and, and kind of clear the way to make it as beautiful as possible. And I had the gift of being with my dad when he transitioned. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified when I walked into the room. And I was, I think that was really blessed that he gave me a different viewpoint on what death could be. Mm -hmm. And it was very peaceful and it was very beautiful. I know that's not the case for everybody. But in that moment, there was just this purity in the room. And that was, you know, for, for me, um, his trust, and my brother and I were together in this, his trust that we would be there for him and honor what he needed was just so absolutely pure. So trust in its purest form. I'm sure this isn't what people were expecting. <laughs> But, um, you know, and, and I'm going to bring it back to business. What would that look like if we took it to its very essential being of what trust is? Yeah, I was going to ask you that because uh, I was going to ask you, what makes it pure? What, what element of it uh, purifies it and takes out all the extra stuff that we don't need? Well, from, for me, it was just, um, 
you know, you hear talking about vulnerability, but just being so completely vulnerable and believing, trust is believing that everything is going to work out the way it should. So there is no greater vulnerability except at birth and at death of that pure vulnerability and trusting that things will work out. And if you don't, then both of those moments aren't, aren't as good as they possibly could be. And you were about to just talk about translating that into the workplace, which is where I wanted to go with this. Um, you know, most workplaces have low trust. You have an environment where people don't trust institutions, they don't trust management, they don't trust other, all these uh, different types of trust or low trust, uh, you know, kind of operating at the same time. How do we bring this purity into something that, uh, you know, the, the purity doesn't exist? It's all mixed up with all kinds of politics and power and yeah. all Yeah, so you can see um, to the side of me, wait, to the side of me, there we go, <laughs> to the side of me. I had to look at the screen. So is, is my model. And so there's, there's five components to it, caring, commitment, consistency, competence, and communication. Mm-hmm. So that very deep caring, and that's what, you know, when, when, when you believe that someone cares about you, not just for what you do in the office, not just for the role that you play, because if we feel that people are only caring for us because we provide a service, then you don't have that deep trust that you can, that you can have. So caring means not just caring for the, the, what the person is doing, but caring for them as an individual. And then the second part of that is the commitment. So if you can compare to what I would do as a doula, um, in order for someone to enter, allow me to enter into that space, they first of all have to believe that I care deeply for them as an individual mm-hmm. and that I've made a commitment to them that I will show up, not just when it's convenient, but when they need me. Right. So at work, when you, when you translate that deep commitment, not just that the employee has for you and they should, you know, it should go both ways that there should be a commitment that if you're employing me, then I do what I am and hired to do, but you mm-hmm. have a commitment to the employee to treat them well, to treat them fairly, to treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. And then the third part of that is care. So caring commitment, consistency. So we show up, our words and our deeds match. So if I tell you I'm going to do something, then I actually do what I say I'm going to do. So a lot of times what I call a lie is just an inconsistency. What someone has said and then what someone does are not aligned. Mm -hmm. So there has to be that consistency. But in work, it also has to be, um, and I've seen this, you've managed people of that. So you you probably have seen the same thing. When Mm -hmm. I've had employees that are totally inconsistent. Their work is brilliant one day and crap the next. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what I've discovered is that there is an addictions issue. Mm -hmm. So I I become curious and and that's a a great way to be. If someone is inconsistent and can't keep up with the work, um, see if there's mental health issues, 
care about them. See if there's some addictions issue that you can deal with. And then the next one is, um, well, if you look at the little book, so I'm going to jump up. Competence. Do they have a skill? Yeah. To be able to do what they're going to do. That's the easiest, from my perspective, when I used to work as an HR manager, that was the easiest one to deal with. Because if someone didn't have the competence, a lot of times, you know, if they had the will, then you could train them on the skill, right? You've heard that skill and will. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then the last part is communication. And when we're at a really pure level, the communication where you just listen without any bias. So when you're talking to me, I'm not trying to hear you just so I can answer. That I am totally there and just listening with my whole being, with my heart, my soul and everything. And that's what I'm learning um, as a doula is to just be so present and so authentic with the person that they can, they can tell me whatever they want to tell me and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, what you're describing is listening from the heart, you know? Yeah. yeah. And the only way that's possible is back to your, one of your original points is if you learn to trust yourself <laughs> because uh, some of that requires uh, just overcoming what you think, what you see, and just being present for that person. So uh, listening is, uh, I, I totally get it. it. It's its one of the most important things. And with that, I'd like to invite you just to tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what are some of the practical skills? You talked about competence, caring, like based on your experience uh, with the five C's, which one, it sounds like listening might be it, but I'll let you tell us <laughs> uh, really works the best or was most powerful in uh, building trust for you, for you and your, your clients or staff. Teaching people how to listen. I mean, you'd think that it's a basic skill, but it's not. It's one of the most difficult things. And there's so much that gets in the way of, of, of good listening. You know, I'm... I'm um, Right now, my, my daughter and I are, are going through um, a bump where I'm, I'm learning things about how I raised her that, you know, I had, I, had to, I had to let myself be so vulnerable. Actually, no, I'm going to change that. I had to, to quit um, listening to, to what I wanted to hear which was, oh, you were perfect. You were such a great mother and everything. And be open to hearing what mm-hmm. I didn't want to hear. So one of, the, mm-hmm. one of the hardest things to do is to listen without a filter. Mm-hmm. And we can teach people how to do that. So listening and communication. And then being able to, like a lot of the things that we do in business, um, we do it kind of a surface level. And I think that we need to go deeper. And and so that's part of the training that you and I do with people is actually showing them how to communicate at that deep level. And if you think you, you know how, I could say that you probably could take it a little bit, you know, and this is the people who are listening, you could probably take your listening to a deeper level. 
You know, one of the things that uh, I've learned is through the the, um, the trust style inventory, uh, the results that we get uh, with that collectively, they're showing that the we disposition, which is your ability to connect and collaborate and be non-judgmental, uh, among other things, that's the lowest scoring competency cluster uh, globally because uh, the tool is being used globally. And what you're saying uh, really points to one of the contributing factors to that lack of connectivity within the teams because people are not listening. Transparency seems to be, uh, it's not connected to the we, but uh, it is indirectly it's more directed to integrity and transparency is another low scoring um, competency. So it's interesting uh, the way what you're saying is actually connecting into what we're finding statistically. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be curious of that. Like what does, what does fear have to do with it as well? Because, you know, I often see, and it's, I don't have, the, the data that you would have, but I'm wondering if people are not communicating because they're fearful of what they're going to get back. Mm -hmm. You're right on. Or how they're going to be perceived because there's times when I, you know, like what, what I'm hearing in my brain and sometimes what comes out of my mouth aren't always in sync. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> But uh, fear does play uh, a big part in it because a lot of cultures are high on control mechanisms. So there are a lot of policies, the leadership, uh, they use a lot of micromanagement. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, that brings about politics and other states within a culture. And uh, with that, um, you know, you tend to have a lot of fear because people not able to, you know, even express themselves. No one's listening. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not allowed to connect with themselves. They're just told what to do. And so it really cuts people off from themselves when that when that happens when they're in that type of culture. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I'm I'm wondering if people are punished too. I mean the, the fear is there for a reason because they're mm -hmm. punished if they mm -hmm. give an opinion that doesn't line up with what the company wants people to say. And there's a cost, you know, like if people realized that if, if someone sees a mistake and they've been trained to be fearful to speak up, mm -hmm. if you don't catch a mistake right away, business people, I mean, it just makes sense that if that mistake is allowed to continue for a long period of time, the cost for the business is going to escalate. But mm -hmm. if people feel safe and can talk about it right away, it can be corrected mm -hmm. and minimize the cost to the company. Yeah, I, uh, I, I see your, your point, especially uh, there's another part to that as well. Uh, the cost is one um, way of looking at it, but we also have to take a look closely at what's being rewarded. Um, yeah. So both, you can't look at one, um, you know, in isolation. They need to be looked at together because usually they have to form the system 
uh, and and really codify it and entrench it within an organization. Yeah. So, what am I gonna? All right. So, if you had a, a oh, you answered a lot of my questions. Just uh, <laughs> so. So for anyone who's listening to this, Yvette and I met each other through what through a certification and just connected really well. So what, what is kind of funny is that, oh, well, you already answered the question because I think we're so like we're in we're in sync. So, yeah. But you know, you talk about it from an individual perspective, you talked about it from a leadership perspective. Just help uh, people as we, as a, one of the final questions, how, how do we get there from a team perspective? How do we get, because obviously not everybody's going to trust everybody, but how do we take the team to the next level of PR? Well, I really, I, I think that you need a strong leader and it doesn't need to be the person who is in charge, but a leader, as you and I both know, sometimes the leader is the person who has the ear of the team. And so it can be a person that is trusted to the degree that when he speaks, people are not as fearful. They know that the person mm -hmm. speaks the truth. They know that has, has the best interests at heart. All of those attributes that we talked about when you have someone in the group who has those qualities, if he can start or she can start or they can start, I'm gonna use the gender neutral, if they can create an environment where they can get a conversation going and, and start uncovering like what is holding people back from having honest and authentic communications. And it has to be, you know, and we kind of talk about that. It has to be a, a rewarded by the, the company as well. So first of all, find the person who can champion it within the team. Secondly, be willing to have those honest and trusting conversations. Mm -hmm. And then you know, we talked about trust across America. They've got tap into trust, which is the 13 behaviors of, of trusted leaders. Well, mm -hmm. and your model, um, you're looking at what are, what are the attributes, what are the behaviors of people who are trusted? Right. And I see way too often that people mistake reputation for trust, and they're very different. Mm -hmm. So a company will say, we're working on trust and they're not, they're working on their reputation. Mm -hmm. Trust is harder to work on. <laughs> well, it'll be helpful if you can, um, you know, make that distinction for our listeners. What is it? What, what does it look like when people are working on trust and what does it look like when they're working on reputation? Um, you know, we've gotten into some great discussions on what reputation is. And so I'm going to give you my definition, because if you talk to 20 trust leaders, everyone sure. will give you a different one. So this is Libro Vidani. So reputation is what someone is saying about you behind your back or mm -hmm. to your front. So reputation is based on all of the behaviors that you have. And if you look at reputation, it's not always what's accurate, because the reputation that Volkswagen had before they had the, you know, if anyone wants to look it up, 
That's they right. were fined because they were putting uh, control on their engines that controlled the That's emissions right. readings. And That's so right. their reputation before that was really good. Yeah. Until they were found out to be dishonest and they were doing this. Now they've corrected it since then, so I'm not disparaging Volkswagen, but they were working on their reputation. So when they said, um, when they were caught, they said that they were going to work on trust. Well, what they were doing was they, again, were working on their reputation. Trust is those behaviors. So the fact that they were willing to do something dishonest shows that trust was not the top value. They weren't using the behaviors that yeah. actually were around trust. So trust is the actual actions and behaviors that you're doing. It's what you're doing when no one is looking. So that's one of the little um, taglines that I used to have on my emails, but it was doing the right thing when no one is watching. Mm -hmm. That's one of the aspects of trust. Speaking about you, when you're not in earshot, that honors you. So I'm not going to say something about you that I'm behind you that I'm not going to say to you. So there's all kinds of behaviors that um, are part of trust and, and being able to have the competence. And if you don't have the competence, letting people know, you think, you know, um, all of those things are a little bit harder and some of them can get really tricky because when you're in business, do you tell every, do you tell the public every time you make a mistake? Well, you might end up losing their um, trust mm -hmm. because they see you as incompetent because you're constantly making mistakes. So there's always this balance that you're doing in business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult and it's doing the right thing and it's doing the best that you can and it's being transparent and it's being authentic. You know, a lot of what you said um, with regard to trust has to do with uh, communicating and how you communicate or connect. And uh, as a final question, um, I'd like for you to share with us, just based on what we've said so far, or, or something new is fine too, but what's the best advice to provide our listeners? What would you reinforce for us? Um, wow. I mean, I could, I, I, I've got a meme above the window because I have dogs, but it's, you know, be the kind of person your dog thinks you are, <laughs> which is not original and it's kind of hokey, but who, how do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that if it's all around um, acquiring things, and not being this good, genuine person, that that will eventually come out. And, and that's not, you know, I don't think anyone wants to be remembered that way. So at the heart of all of the things that you do, ask yourself the question, would this make people trust me more or less? Would this make people trust me more or less? With that, I would like to thank you, Lee, for such a powerful interview. Your insights will certainly help our audience to create healthy cultures and to trust each other more deeply. And 
I'd like to close by saying this has been Yvette Bethel along with Lee Bravdani, and we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thanks for listening to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.